Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show. We are going to have a great show for you today, folks. Let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you. Um, hey, look, uh, before I get started, I want to have a little minor rant here. MSNBC just did a piece where they interviewed four, uh, four um, uh, Muslims in uh, Michigan. And they are all upset because, again, justifiably so, uh, Biden's complete disregard. And I'm not talking words. You know, words don't mean anything without actions. Words mean nothing without action. And as Biden is saying things like, uh, we feel for that, that Netanyahu must stop murdering the people in, in Gaza. He doesn't use those words, of course, which is the word, are the words he should use. Um, while he's not uh, putting restrictions on the monies going to Israel, why he's not at this point commanding Israel to stop its murder in Gaza. And I should say Netanyahu, because it's not the Israeli people, it's the IDF under the under the ruling of Netanyahu. So justifiably, the people in Michigan, uh, Muslims in Michigan, feel like second class citizens. And you know why? Because that is what they are as far as the Infra- the, 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 the governmental infrastructure in this country is concerned. I got a call from, many, uh, from several, but one specific caller. And you know when they call into my show at KPFT, I give people full latitude to make the statements that they want to make. Because I don't interrupt them. I want to hear them speak. So that the narrative is full, so that we don't, so that we actually get what the people are trying to say, which is the reason why I allowed this person to speak his entire piece. And the vitriol that he had towards Palestinians and the vitriol that he initially had towards me, which changed eventually was that how dare you talk about what the Palestinians are going through? Have you forgotten what they did to the Israelis, to those innocent Israelis? And yes, these were innocent Israelis that felt the wrath. They felt the wrath of Hamas's terrorist wing, if you will. And yeah, I get it. I understand. I don't only get it. I understand it. But when you, when your answer to terrorism is genocide, you have lost all the empathy you deserve or empathy anyone should have on you. 
And that is what Netanyahu has done to the current government. And Biden, President Biden, for aligning with Netanyahu, there's a possibility that he has given up Michigan for that reality. People say, well, look, if Donald Trump comes into power, he will be worse. If Donald Trump comes into power, he will be worse for Muslims. He will be worse for Arabs. That's true. But their answer was an answer that I gave when Bush was getting a second term. I'm talking Bush too. I told the audience then that just maybe we should give the Bush Republicans at that time, <laughs> which they look saint saintly now compared to what we have now. I said, let them have everything that they want. Let them destroy Social Security. Let them destroy health care. Let them destroy all these things. Because then America will see what we have been trying to prevent from happening. And it's the same. I, that's exactly how those uh, our Muslim brothers and sisters in, in Michigan feel. You are treating us like second-class citizens. You have no concern over the broken bones, the broken lives, broken and of, of all our fellow folk in Gaza. You have no, you have no feelings for them. You can sit back and wait for Netanyahu to have a week, two weeks to get uh, to 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 uh, to go ahead and complete his murder. Let Netanyahu. Every day that's passed, that's more people with dysentery. That's more people with cracked skull. That's more dead babies. That's more starving people. That's more all these things. Innocent people as well, just as innocent as the Israelis who were murdered. Just as innocent. And that you, Brother Biden, has allowed yourself to be entangled with the inhumanity of Netanyahu and the IDF. There are enough videos out there showing what they think about Palestinians, how they treat Palestinians, how they kick Palestinians, how they kick women in their heads. The things that they accuse Palestinians of doing out of hate. You know, I told the person who called into the program on KPFT that I normally on air, on the KPFT air, I normally try to not take on this subject by too much. But I think it's immoral for me not to speak about it, for me to not get this into the ethos. It's a, it, it's a dereliction of my duty not to do that. So I, I started the program just with this because it breaks my heart to see the pain that I saw in the faces of those four people interviewed. It's like, you know. Our lives don't really matter. Our lives don't really matter. And that's the truth. You know how we have Black Lives Matter? We need the Palestinian Lives Matter movement as well. Because 
30,000 Palestinians. There were 1,200 dead uh, Israeli brothers and sisters. And for that, that we decimate Gaza. We, we murder 30,000 people. We have them living in tents in conditions of animals. And Biden is simply going to say, we're talking to Netanyahu to try to tell him not to commit war crimes. The war crimes have already been committed. Netanyahu belongs in front of the, uh, the, the, the Hague for t- crimes against humanity. And that we are still blocking a ceasefire in the UN. We should be ashamed of ourselves and we are losing. Look. It's not like America is a, a country that can claim any kind of moral superiority. I mean, if we want to go get a dictator, we don't mind uh, annihilating everything around. I am a f- perfect example. My country of birth, Panama, I repeat it over and over again. I repeat it over and over again. Bush number, uh, Bush number one came into Panama in 1989 and he, he He bombed around the Cuartel Nacional, the headquarters, bombed it to smithereens, killed thousands of people to get Manuel Antonio Noriega. So, I mean, I can imagine a conversation between Netanyahu and Biden. Well, America does the same thing. All right. Uh, uh, But, you know, the difference, you know, uh, uh, Noriega didn't kill any Americans. Noriega just sold a product. That product was called, not, he didn't even sell a product. He facilitated the money, the movement of money as a capitalist so that drugs could be sold. Certain drugs are sold in America. Wow. And for that, several thousand Panamanians died because America love drugs coming from Central and South America. So Americans like drugs. The, the South American countries supply them. And instead of solving the problem inside of the USA, we go bomb the smithereens out of others. What about personal responsibility? All right, let me go ahead and get the program started. I just needed to. Uh, it's been on my mind, folks. I, I, anyway, welcome aboard. Mike Cisak is in the house. Bridge MCP. Mike Cisak from Missouri is in the house. Bridge MCP from uh, uh, Binghamton, New York, is in the house. Upstate New York. Michael Rudnan from Brooklyn, New York, is in the house. Mae Wood from uh, Long Beach, California, is in the house. Uh, we also have Eric Hayes from Atascosita and Kingwood in the house. We also have, uh, let's see where I'm scrolling up. I'm scrolling up. I'm scrolling up. I'm scrolling up. A Lee Grant from... Uh, Montgomery County is in the house. We have Melanie Keelan from Barcelona, Spain in the house. We have Yvette Avery Herod from Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, we have uh, anybody else that I missed. If I missed you, forgive me. Janet Siders is in the house and she says, um, defeat Hamas. Don't exterminate Palestinians. Janet Siders, that is a actual statement. That needed to be made. You're actually correct. Okay, I'm only reading these statements from the bottom up. Michael Rodin says, Care International. 70% of those killed in Gaza are women and children. 
Care warns the UN Security Council, a child is killed every 10 minutes. You got that? A child is killed every 10 minutes. So every time Brother Biden decides not to command Netanyahu to stop or else, every 10 minutes, another Israeli kid dies, right? Another Israeli kid dies. All right, let's see. Um, uh, let's see. Bridge MCP Berto, it's way beyond ironic that a place called the Holy Land is the location of the fiercest, most deeply felt hatred in the world. George Carlin. I know. I love George Carlin. Uh, my wife used to buy me all his books, and you know, I always would look at his skits on HBO, etc. Love the guy. The guy was smarter than many would believe. All right, Michael Rodden has a long one here. Repeat from yesterday's Newsweek. Rashida Talib slammed uh, for urgent voters with whole support for Joe Biden in primary over foreign policy, resulting in 30,000 plus Palestinians death toll. Worst case scenario, the message from the primary is retained during the general and upwards of 20 percent of people who vote third party vote right in swap red, blue and or stay home. Democratic strategists don't get the progressives are focused on the issues. Higher wages. Democratic strategists don't get that progressives are focused on the issues. Higher wages, universal health care. Uh, infrastructure investment, global meltdown, free Palestine, etc. If democratic strategists continue to push the vote blue, no matter who agenda, they are going to lose even worse. They need to pick an issue or two we care about and rally. I have to add, we are not MAGA cultists. We do see President Biden as an infallible leader. If Biden or the Democrats are doing wrong, we point it out and demand better. Snippet from the article, to leave the only Palestinian American member of Congress has fought hard alongside other progressive lawmakers and pro-Palestinian activists across the country to demand a permanent ceasefire in Gaza since Israel launched its military operation in the region following Hamas' surprise attack on 7-2023. And that attack wasn't all that of a surprise anyway. Hamas' surprise attack killed 1,200 people in Israel and saw some 250 hostages taken, according to the Associated Press. However, over 100 hostages were released during a temporary ceasefire last year. Meanwhile, over 28,600 people in Gaza has been killed, mostly women and children, since the start of the conflict. According to the health ministry in Gaza, the AP reported on Friday, Biden has maintained his strong support for Israel, but has called on Israel Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to agree to another temporary ceasefire in order to get the hostages out. While he dilly-dally, oh, he's, been, he's called on Netanyahu. I call on Netanyahu to stop killing, to stop the genocide. I call on him. You can't call on him. You have to command him. You have to show your strength and command. You know what gives the most powerful uh, thing? If you look, if you get on national TV and say, Netanyahu, stop now or else. Netanyahu, stop now or else. We are for not genocide. We are for not murdering. And Netanyahu needs to go to The Hague and prosecuted for war criminals, for, for war crimes, for genocide. A coalition of Muslim Americans is critical swing states, including Michigan, launching, launched a abandoned Biden campaign late last year, urging voters to not reelect the president in 2024. Michael Moore was in Michigan in 2016. 
Michael Moore knew what was going on in Pitts, not Pittsburgh, but Philadelphia in, in 2016. Michael Moore tried to get to those cocky, those cocky SOBs that we call Democratic consultants on the East and West Coast. He tried to get to the president, to the uh, to the people running the Hillary Clinton campaign, and with their snobbishness, they disregarded what he said he was seeing on the ground. And Biden is doing the same thing by thinking you can simply allow Netanyahu to continue his murdering genocide in Israel. In 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 uh in in Gaza, you can continue to watch that with with platitudes and think people are stupid to not see that somehow you care nothing about dead Palestinians. If you think that people will just sit back and forget that, remember in Michigan, all these people have relatives in Gaza, their brothers, their cousins. Uh, there is a doctor, a Palestinian doctor who came on TV. He lost over 50 people in his family, murdered by Netanyahu. Over 50 people in his family. What do you think that does to one psyche? And then you are going to vote for that president that didn't say Netanyahu, stop. I went to a Muslim dinner. I was invited. I was a, a special guest at a Muslim dinner recently uh, here in Houston where Cornell West spoke. And what was amazing is these are professionals. They understand this well. And the, when, when, when Cornell came and gave his speech and his respect and says, what's going on in Israel, in, in Gaza is a genocide. And here are these issues. And it was time to try to get Cornell on the ballot in Texas. He needs a million dollars to get on the ballot in Texas. And I don't remember how many signatures. He won't have a problem. In our small room with probably 100 people, maybe a little bit over 100 people or so, somewhere around there. Or maybe maybe it was around 100, 75 to 100 people. I'm, I'm counting the tables now. Uh, the person said this, that we are starting with the maximum contribution. $3,300, I think it was, and several, uh, about a dozen hands or maybe a little bit more went up. Right then and there, Cornell got close to $40,000. First round. Second round, $2,000. Muslims were effecting their power to support. And you may say, well, look at what they're going to do. They're going to get Trump. They're saying, we are willing to get Trump because you know what? And yeah, Trump is going to be worse. But we want to show those who are taking us, uh, taking advantage of us that you have to work for our vote the next cycle or you will never win again. Because we are part of your constituency that makes up the whole. And you cannot afford to lose anyone. You can't afford to lose the, the, uh, the Muslims. You can't afford to lose the Jews. You can't load, afford to lose the black folks. You can't afford to lose the progressive white folks. That is the coalition. That is America. That is America, the coalition of all people. And don't think that, oh, well, if you have to support what Netanyahu is doing for the Jewish vote, that is the biggest lie out there. The, it, APAC is powerful. 
but the common rank and file Jewish person. They see the genocide for what it's about. They have organizations now, Jewish organizations now, fighting. Biden, go do what's right. Netanyahu overthrow Netanyahu. Netanyahu needs to be gone. Completely gone. All right, let's see what else we got here. Brit says, Michael Rudd and Eric, it's your own Republicans who crafted a bill to address the southern border with all the harshness of Republican immigration policy, then rejected it. Yep, that's the truth. That's the truth. Bad Orange Man told them they needed to issue, needed the issue to remain unresolved for the election. Republicans got nothing but fear and hate to play off of. I know, I know, and that's what all, you're right, that is all that they've got now. That's all that they've got. Egberto, guess you don't know the difference between war and genocide. I do know the difference between war and genocide. And this asymmetric war has turned into genocide. They're moving people from where they are and trying to push them out of their land for ideological reason. This is genocide. There's, I mean, there's no two ways. We, we've went from an apartheid occupation turned into a war turned into a genocide. And I will debate anybody on that topic. Uh, Michael says, Egberto, correct. The conservatives don't give a F about some pe- brown people over there. They don't. And, and, and the truth is, neither does Biden. If Biden can go ahead and wait a week and two weeks and three weeks while 10 kids are dying a day, when he has the power to call up Netanyahu and said, okay, it's over. You stop or you're not funded. You stop or you're overthrown. We can't stand for people getting killed like that. Uh, Let's see what else. Michael, they care about them here either. Exactly, exactly. All right, Michael says, Mike, see, Hitler wanted all of Europe for himself to expand Germany's borders, basically a threat to the whole world uh, because his ambitions would not be quelled. Hamas wants a free Palestine. They're not the same. No, they're not. Uh, most of the victims, and, and by the way, I have a, a, a Del- uh, United uh, fired an airline or suspended an airline pilot because he spoke, uh, he said something similar on Facebook. They suspended him. I'm arranging for an interview with him. I think he has to kind of lay low now, right now, but I'm trying to get an interview with the pilot who, impeccable record, impeccable record, just told a few un- inconvenient truths on his Facebook page. Now they suspended him. Wow. Whatever happened to free speech? All right. Let's see what else we got here. Um, I'm scrolling down before I go to um, uh, scrolling down. Michael Run, you support Biden's policy of women and children smuggling into sex and slave trade from Mexico. I love the way you guys say that, right? Uh, like if like it's a foregone conclusion. Hmm. You better do your research. All right. Uh, Michael Rodney says, Egberto, you forgot a knot in there. Again, please, for the bleachers, we are not maggot cultists. No, we're not. We do not see President Biden as an infallible leader. If Biden or Democrats are doing wrong, we point it out. Oh, wow. What can I say? All right. Melissa Bowie says, what was the guy's name that kept calling the station fanning Whitmire smoke? He will get Paxton together. Ask him how is the house gas bill. I know, right, Melissa? Hey, Melissa Bowie is in the house from Houston, Texas. How you doing, Melissa? Great seeing you here. 
uh, para ver quién más está aquí. Uh, let's see. Michael says, Eric, so the specific individuals who were responsible for the deaths and rapes need to be killed. You figure out who they were specifically and go get them. You don't do a collective punishment which primarily targets innocents. It says it all. 70% of the dead in Gaza are women and children. And again, like I told that person who called into the show, think about this. Think about this. The fact that 30,000 dead Palestinians, 1,200 de dead uh, Israeli, the fact that that doesn't really touch your heart in saying, my God, what does 30,000 people look like? There are a lot of towns in Texas, hundreds of towns in Texas that do not have that. Michael Cisak is on the line. Michael Cisak, it's a pleasure to have you on. What's up? Hey, man. Um, Talk to me. So I was watching... Um, some some information on the Middle East last night, mm -hmm. and I just wanted to let you have this information. And do where were you watching it, sir? Coming. Where were you watching it? it well, was that, it was on YouTube. Um, okay. I, I I I've been going through a whole bunch of videos, and I can't remember. I can't find it at the moment. Oh, that's However, fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Go ahead. Okay. So there is um. There, what's the canal that goes um, the Suez Canal along Egypt? The Suez Canal uh, along Egypt to huh? I just I just called it out the Suez it, Canal. Suez Canal. Thank you. Right. Um, did you know that the that Israel is wanting to build their own? Of course, they're trying to go through Gaza and then take it down to the Gulf of. Um, yeah, I, I, I reported that as well. Yeah. I, I reported that there it's more than that. It's the canal that they wanted to build. It's also there's some hydrocarbons off of uh, Gaza that would belong to the that would belong to the Palestinians based on ter uh, uh, territorial waters. You know, there it, it's a lot more to this. They just want to get people out of there. And I think you would agree with that. Well, <clears throat> if, Go ahead, Cisac. If they really, if they really wanted that, why did they give up complete control in in two thousand five and two thousand six? Because the world required that. Again, they they didn't give up complete control. They created at a well, full. Let me finish. They created a full yeah. open air prison. What they did is they imprisoned the Palestinians in Gaza. They had no freedom of movement. Gaza and the West Bank completely separated to get from one place to the other. All kinds of permissions and checkpoints. That's not a way to live, Mike. Okay, Go ahead. so what, what would Israel have to do to try and get along with Hamas when Hamas's ultimate goal is the extermination of the Jews. And and should vice they versa. Go halfway? No. Should they no. let them go halfway with that or full way? No. No. And no. wipe Hamas or and and let Hamas just come in or what what do you what let, sure what do you they're, think they're, the goal would be? I am I am now I'll be honest with you everybody's talking two state solutions 
Netanyahu has made. I'm going to answer your question right. directly, but I just need to give you a little uh, little preface here. Netanyahu, for all practical purposes, has made a two-state solution impossible. Once he started settlements well, that, can I finish? Once he started no. settlements and all these checkpoints and walls and that sort of stuff, in effect, he divvied the country up so much. If you can go and see what what it looked like in 1948 all the way up till now. The truth of the matter is... I have. Right. The truth of the matter is uh, two-state solution, I think, now is not a viable alternative. I think we have to have one country that's a democratic country. That's my, that's my take. And the truth, you know, while you see warring factions, Hamas killing the uh, Jews, etc., all of that, you do have you noticed how Jews and Palestinians live here in America? Have you noticed well, that? Well, let me Okay, there's I, not a problem. Here's, here's an important question. Yes. Okay. There there is a big difference between mil, the Middle East mm-hmm. there and yes. here. Okay. Yes. Um second generation Muslims here are not as radical as they are back in Hamas, uh, uh, the the uh, Gaza Strip, and and other places. Okay. What does I've radical been, mean, sir? I know how radical they are. Wait, what okay. does radical mean? And they and they haven't changed. What does radical mean? The belief that Jews are lower than animals and that they need to be killed. Okay, let me stop you right there. Wiped off the planet. Now, I I will not argue with you that there's a possibility that there are some. Muslims that feel that way about Jews, but I can also tell that, you that the first thing in the Hamas charter. No, that's not true. But let's continue that. I mean, at the first, I yeah, could look well, at you and said, but, you know, I could look at you. I mean, and you say can that deny first, it all you no, want. No, no, no. It's not about, sir. It's not about denial. I can tell you that in well, the charter is. of. Let me finish. I can tell you that in the charter of the of the Likud party, it says that Israel exists from the river to the sea. Now, when Palestinians make that statement, they're called anti-Semitic. But the Likud party says that Israel is defined as from the river to the sea. This year, not this year, last year, when Netanyahu spoke at the UN, he presented an Israeli map that didn't include either the West Bank or Gaza. So what I'm saying is, let's not take sides here. Let's take humanity. Let's take the side of humanity. And not the okay. side. Well, do you follow? Let me let me let's ask the important question then. Yes. Okay. The important question is: in a two-state solution, mm-hmm. who would who would head up the not not the Israeli side, but the other side, as far as the other state? Who would head that up? Hamas, the Hezbollah, Fatwas, um, PLO? I can, tell, I, can, what, what I can give you an answer. I can give you a straight up answer. Okay. A straight up which, answer. Which group? Which group? Do you know who heads it up? Not a group. Whoever the Palestinians vote for for their head, whether these were former members of uh, Hamas, whether they were former members of the PLO, whether they are former members or whatever, because here's what people have to understand. And I wish most Americans would come and ask the question just like you did. Okay. I want you guys to remember well, me, something. Well, no, I, I'm answering your question, I, sir. Let me finish, Cisa. Come okay. on. All right. 
uh, let me give that a perfect answer. Our founding fathers were in the eyes of uh, England, in the eyes of the Great Britain, they were terrorists. They killed, they maimed, and, they, uh, and that's what they did. And actually, they used terrorists, what we call terrorist te techniques, because they weren't uh, straight up soldiers then. And when we created a nation, our number one fighter for our independence in America was George Washington, the guy who fought against Great Britain. But when the war was over, he ruled the nation. Okay? And the same thing we should get we should give that honor to every state that comes into being. But the problem that we have is because we are inherently uh we inherently don't give the same privileges to all humans. We see that as some sort of a, oh my God, if we get an official Palestinian state recognized by the world and the UN, that somehow they cannot behave accordingly. That is ridiculous. Every single, if they well, don't behave accordingly within nations, then the rest of the nations have the legal right to go ahead and execute. The problem is that that's not what Israel wants. Continue, well, my here's, here's, here, here it is, okay? Because th this was actually, this question was asked in Congress, in an oversight committee of the, of the administration when they were pr promoting two-state solution. And the question is, who would head it up and, and have they looked at it objectively? The problem is, is that ever since 1948, over and over and over again, at least a dozen times, the two-state solution has been offered. And every single time, every single group of Muslims have turned it down completely. There is no person, group, or entity over in the Middle East that will accept a two-state solution. The problem is you're being, it's a, it's again. dead from the, the start. Let me tell you, the people It's absolutely who, dead. I, no, here's what I'm saying. Look it up. The people that no, look I it up. look, I know it very well. The people who designed the two state solution, they designed it on so their then, terms. So then the two state it solution, was, the two, I, I, two I think it's dead. Is it's dead. It's dead. dead. It's dead. It's dead. We agree okay. on that. But what I'm saying is because the, the, it's been dead since 48. I agree. And the reason why is they are asking Palestinians to accept the two state solutions, not on a negotiated term, but on one side's terms. It's that simple. If you if you have a two state solution where you are just being at told this is what you get and that's a state solution. Who George Washington, our founder, would not have accepted that. Our, in fact, our founder didn't accept that. Our founder decided, no, we're kicking your butt out of here. And not only are we kicking so, your butt out of here, we, the American, the American people, are going to use genocide to go from the east to the west. So we have a history too, Mr. CSAC. We also have so, a history. So you got a little problem. Yes. Okay. As far as revisionism here. There, there are many times when Israel offered a two-state solution, and along with the two-state solution, offered a huge amount of land to all the Palestinians that were either Gaza or or the um, 
or the other area. Okay, I get okay. that. Stop right there. Stop right there. Stop right there. Here's what Houston you just Atlanta. said. You look. Everyone can look it up. It's, it's no, right, no. I, it's no, that is true. No, that is true. That is true. Okay. But you have and that so, is true. And so when no, you're no, saying hey, stop, no, 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 stop. Then you're just lying. CSAC, stop. Stop. No, it's not about lying. It's about if I stole yeah. your if I stole your land and then I offered you some of it back. And I said, no, I want it. I, I don't want you to offer some of me back. I want all those people that you displace out of their land. I want that land back. Then we can start talking. But you see, we, we always set the timer at the wrong point. And if you set the timer at the wrong okay, point, it well, looks good. Let's, let's go back to 47. Sure, okay. let's do it. And every single Middle Eastern state where there used to be around 50 to 100,000 Jews in each of these Middle Eastern states, okay, uh, that, that own land in all the different countries that are no longer there, maybe we ought to add all that land that they used to own for generations upon generations and just see how much that would add up and then give all that to the Jews. Well, it might you know, be, I, I don't know, Probably an eighth of the whole Middle East. No, let me let me just say this. A tiny little bit of Israel. No, no. I tell you what, that is silly. And let me tell you why that is silly. The truth of the matter is, oh. uh, I think you need to okay, study so history. Uh, Israel, look, wait, wait. Israel, Israel was created. Here's the, go, the bottom line. And then I got to go to the interview. Israel was created because of America and Great Britain's racism. Okay, think about that. Israel came into being just the way Monrovia came into being. All right. You know what Monrovia is, right? I am pretty sure you know what Liberia, where Liberia is. Ah, we want yeah. to get rid of these black yeah. folk. We throw them into Liberia. We want to get rid of these Jews. We throw them. We create an Israel for them. When Biden several years ago said, if Israel didn't exist, we would have to create it. It tells you something. But Mike Cisak, I want to first of all, thank you for calling in. We can finish this discussion. And, and you must keep calling in. We must keep these discussions going, but I have to go play an interview mm -hmm. right now. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you, brother. All right. uh, and thank Later. you for calling. All right, folks. Uh, there is a candidate in Texas running for Senate District 15. I am completely and entirely impressed with this woman, not because she's running now, but for all the work that she has done previous to running during running and almost winning the last election and now running again. I want you guys to listen to her and she represents what we need to see throughout this country. Her name is Molly Cook. Check her out. Welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. Molly Cook. Molly Cook is a Democrat who ran for state Senate District 15 in 2022. And she she came this close but I've never seen, I've never seen a candidate who has worked her district the way, uh, the way Molly has. And I've never seen a candidate who has worked Austin with, for her district and for Texas the way Molly has. So I want Molly to tell us what she intends to bring to District 15. Molly Cook! Welcome to Politics and Right. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. I'm 
Roberto. I'm Molly Cook. I use she, her pronouns. I'm an emergency room nurse, community organizer, and Democrat running for Texas Senate District 15. And I am so excited to be running for this again and to be able to bring nursing leadership, public health, and grassroots organizing into the Texas Senate. And let me tell you, um, I, I may be a bit biased here, but um, because of your health your health uh, bona fides. It's one of the reasons why I think more than ever in a state like Texas, a state where which has the either the largest or the second largest uninsured uh, rate of people here. I think we need somebody who has seen what it looks like to work with sick people. What which at some point every one of us will be. So tell us first of all. Um, why did you decide to run? I decided to run um, for anything ever because of what I see in my patients' lives on a daily basis. There's just so much onus placed on individuals to choose to be healthy. You're supposed to eat healthy and exercise and do all of these things. But in, in reality, we have toxic environments where it's impossible for people to choose to be healthy. And our healthcare system is very broken. It makes it impossible for people to navigate and to prioritize themselves and advocate for themselves. And so seeing that over and over again, seeing the economic patterns, the racial patterns, um, it either makes your heart very small or very big. And I went to school and got that master's in public health to help my heart grow and be soft for the people who are struggling just to live, to breathe, to raise their families in Texas. And um, you just become really acutely aware of the fact that there are small rooms of people making decisions that are affecting all of us and affecting my patients, making my work impossible and making their lives very difficult to live. You know, that is a voice that that I think Austin needs. I mean, uh, the voice that tells it from the perspective of people living it as opposed to a voice that is solely influenced by those who run it. There's a difference. And I think uh, people very rarely understand why our system is so broken because those who work it, those who live it are not the ones participating. So when you go to Austin, how are you going to talk to your peers to bring this reality to them to truly make a difference? I think the most important thing is going to be making the capital accessible to everyday Texans. And so as much as I can totally go be a voice for people, I'm going to be representing That's the structures that we have set up. What I'm most excited about is finding ways to, to remove barriers for people to use their own voices, to organize their own communities and be so powerful that um, the people should be so organized and powerful that it almost doesn't matter who's in that seat. And so um, I will, of course, use public health data and expertise and um, nursing communication styles, right? I take care of everyone. I care for everyone in their hours of need. I love talking to anyone, even people who disagree with me. And I will bring that into the chamber and, and use it for the greater good. But I really do want to make things accessible for folks, educate our communities and remove barriers so that people can get to the Capitol themselves and see and feel what it means to advocate for themselves and to shape the change that's happening in their own backyards. Now, when you go to Austin, you're going to have to start up by advocating for some particular policy. So let's get policy specific. What specifically are you going to go to Austin and try to get through the Senate? And, and, and via, of course, the Congress that's going to make a material difference 
to every single Texan and specifically Texans in your district? So every one of us, we're in a Democratic primary. Every one of us wants Medicaid expansion. We want abortion legalized. We want to fully fund public schools. We want common sense safety firearm reforms. Um, so what I want to talk about a little bit is, is kind of my own niche, and that's transportation. And I want to pick up right where we left off at the end of last session, where we left off from the session before, and work on a constitutional amendment that would allow TxDOT to spend money on anything other than roads. So Texas is the only state without dedicated public transit funding, the only state without dedicated public transit funding. I mean, the only state out of 50. We have five major urban areas where folks absolutely rely on public transit, absolutely rely on active transportation to get to and from work, medical appointments, school, whatever it is. And we are not funding those systems. And those systems will make transportation safer for everybody in our state, um, will make regional mobility more efficient, will provide economic opportunity to folks who can't afford to own a car, which we know costs around $10,000 a year. So we desperately need Vortex Dot's hands to be untied. Right now, all three buckets of pertinent revenue that TxDOT uses to build transportation facilities are completely dedicated to highway and highway widening projects. Well, we know a highway widening project has never worked to relieve traffic meaningfully over time, and it damages communities, makes flooding, air pollution, traffic, noise, all of that worse. And so we need a champion in the Senate to go say, hey, you know, we got a hearing on this bill two times in a row, but we need to really run with it and make sure that everybody understands that we're not talking about, um, we're really not talking about anything radical. <laughs> we're just talking about letting textile engineers be creative and create choice and opportunity for Texans. Now you are in Austin and, you know, I've been following you on Twitter and elsewhere. You've been working those halls on this issue. Um, how successful uh, were you and what needs to be done? Good question. And in Texas, especially as a Democrat or especially as somebody who prefers um, life-saving or progressive policies, right, we kind of have to we have to take our wins where we can sometimes. And we did get a couple of hearings last year um, during the session, and that was a big deal for Democrats. We, we were not um, getting the hearings that we deserved and needed for the policies that we care about. And we were able to show up with big groups and able to um, make our voices heard and, and push the needle a little bit. There was, seemed to be a little more understanding from the leadership in both the Senate and the House that, hey, you know, TxDOT's hands really are tied, um, that this is not actually very functional and we need to be thinking about spending differently and even saw a couple of Republicans asking for more transparency in how TxDOT sort of makes its decisions and prioritizes um, where the funding goes and how they plan on their, on their UTP, their 10-year plan. So I would say it was very successful. We also brought a group of 70 folks from Houston at one point um, and gathered people from all across the entire state. And we were able to have a language translation on that trip. We provided meals, childcare stipends, um, it made it very accessible to people. And so we were able to go around the Capitol and have people who are experiencing the fallout of these policies actually talking directly to their legislators and their staff. So I think it, that was a wild success. Now, did um, did we pass a giant bill that stops highway widenings? No, of course not. And we're going to keep working on it. And there's going to be work that happens inside the Capitol, which hopefully we'll have a champion in there to do that work, um, but also the work outside the Capitol to make sure folks really understand um, the issue, how to plug in and how they can they can start to force that change to happen. Were you living in Austin then? Because I just saw you continuously on, on the uh, <laughs> on the floor out there. 
<laughs> no, I was, I'm so proud of 2023 was such a big year. Um, I was working at the hospital two days a week. I was running the prop B campaign with my teammates at home in Harris County. And then we were also, I was also at the Capitol about two days a week as well. So it was a really big year. <laughs> yeah, that was, that, was, that was a lot of work. I'm glad you had all that energy to do all of that. And that's hey, folks. That's why we need the youth, young people running these, <laughs> running run Austin, because what we need in Texas needs a hell of a lot of work and a hell of a lot of energy. Anyway, um, let me know what you're going. What's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to jump into into that Senate. You're going to have Patrick that's going to hit that gavel. What's the first thing that you're going to do? I think the most important thing is to find somewhere that I can get along with Republicans, mm -hmm. extend a hand and say, I want to work on this. Hold and on a second. Where, where is that place that you think you can get to work with Republicans? One good example is um, legalizing fentanyl testing strips. Gotcha. So that's a that's a Tom Oliverson policy. It's a, you know a bunch of Republicans were on that last time, um, and I have found wherever I am working with a community that I don't belong to, the most important thing is to show up and offer a helping hand where you can, right? And demonstrate that we want to save lives. Yes, I want to make radical change. We all do, but we want to save lives, and so it's important to find where we can work together. Last session, that was HB twenty seven. And I walked in day one to work with Betancourt, Gates, Chaton on um, a bill that did eventually pass and will impact the stock of affordable housing and will save Harris County billions of dollars over the next 20 years. And so there are going to be opportunities like that. The second thing I want to do is look for the opportunities for bipartisan statewide organizing. And I think that that is transportation, Medicaid expansion, and... Um, Public education. We've just seen we've just seen that those tend to cross the aisles. Um, and the last thing I want to do is find out exactly where the abortion organizing is happening and how we can start to turn out every single Democrat in our state to fight for our right to abortion back and reproductive health care in general. Um, but I think that those are going to be kind of the, the three pronged approach and, and how we should show up and start to really make radical change in all of our communities. Really, do you find somebody that has all these uh these items ticked off that they that, that 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 they want to do right away. I I think I think that is great. As far as your community is concerned, how is your campaigning going? You have it's it's a pretty darn full race with a few uh, people that's been there before. Um, how is the race going? Uh, how are you doing? It's going exceptionally well. I am so proud of the team. I'm so happy with the work. I keep telling people I get that feeling, oh, I must have forgotten something. And we didn't. <laughs> it's just mm -hmm. going really well. Um, and so I'm really, really proud of the campaign that we've run. And this time we've we've outraised what we raised last time. We've outspent what we spent last time. We are reaching voters. Um, we're on the doors, on the phones. We're using digital ads, the digital ad that we released seconds. So you can look at it on our YouTube page. It's just fantastic. It really communicates the urgency and the importance of having a nurse in this seat. And then the last thing I'll say is what's difficult in a six-way primary is finding how are you different? That's what we've been asked in every single interview is what makes you different. And for us, it's very easy to say it's nursing. It's that I've had an abortion, that I'm a bisexual woman, and I'm an organizer. And I've been doing this work, been turning out voters, been moving the needle, been passing policies. And I'm really, really proud to be able to make that distinction in a, in a crowd of candidates. Molly, what would you have liked me to ask you that I didn't? And you, you, you've talked to me before, so you know that was coming. 
<laughs> just how to get involved. Uh, we need help these last couple of weeks. We are still knocking doors. We're still talking to voters. Some people who, who still don't know that there's a Democratic primary happening, even reliable <laughs> voters. <laughs> where there's so much voter suppression in this state. There's so much apathy. We absolutely need help making sure that folks know that there's an election, how they vote. Um, so you can go to at Molly for Texas on any social media platform, mollyfortexas.com. Um, look us up, send us a message, come help us reach people. And um, I promise you that you're going to make some friends and make some change and, and have a great time. Molly Cook, Democratic candidate for State Senate District 15. Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. That's Molly Cook. Really like her. She is a real, <clears throat> real activist out here. She really knows how to organize. I think it's important that that folks like her make it into Congress. I see that Michael Rudnan has something here for me to put on the screen. What is this? Oh, what is that? What is that? Uh, what is that, Rudnan? Let's see. Egbert, a dog is good. Went for from this to this six stitches. Oh, that was bridge. Oh, wow. That I'm going to put that on just a quick look for people to see. That is great surgery. Wow. That looks great. That that was a good surgery. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. I'm going to take it off now. All right. Anyway, folks, um, uh, here is a deal with carried interest and all these different things. If you believe, if you believe, Michael, uh, that 10% of that $100 trillion is going to be paid in taxes, God, that's what $100 billion would be. That's not true at all. I would bet a finger on it. That uh, $1 trillion does not bring $100 billion in taxes at all. Punto final. No se puede con eso. All right. All right, let's see. Uh, when I meet you for coffee, I'm going to have to really teach you that debt isn't debt, Mr. Hayes, but that's fine. All right, folks, we are at the end of the show. I hope you enjoyed it. I want to thank Michael Cisak for calling into the show today. I want to thank all of you who participated in the great active debate on the chat. Uh, I think uh, this is going to do uh, extraordinarily well in the podcast, given your participation. I want to ask all of you to go ahead and uh, please support the program however you can. And how can you support the program? You simply need to go to politicsandright.com slash support. We need your support, politicsandright.com slash support. Additionally, I want to ask you all to join our newsletter. Become a, a subscriber of our newsletter. That is at politicsandright.com slash newsletter. And to remind you, my book is shipping. If you want, I, I look that everybody that reads read it so far loved it. They most of all they said, "How can you still be? What's that? How can you still be here?" And that's why, folks. Oh, that's my alarm. I have another interview that's coming up, so I had to set the alarm. All right, here we go. Tribulations of an Afro Latino Caribbean man. My story what I had to go through professionally to make it in this country. It's really a good read. It's, a, it's not a subjective read. It's just an accurate read. Go to politicsdoneright.com slash books and let me go to politicsdoneright.com 
slash books. I'm putting it on the screen right now. Politicsandright.com slash books. Please support. Come on, guys. I don't know how to turn this alarm off. I think I got it off. I think I got it off. Anyway, politicsandright.com slash books is how you can go ahead and get a copy of either uh, Kindle or hard copy. I don't know when I'm going to have the um, Audible ready, but I'm working on it. So please check it out. Tribulations of an Afro-Caribbean, Afro-Latino-Caribbean man. And it's subtitled, Racism Didn't Stop My Smile, Hope, or Journey Forward. I got to get out of here. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics and Right. And you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.